This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is incredible. You know when you get the text about your STI results? The three pie now. Lots, I've been getting the spreadsheets ready. He knows his stuff, this boy. Or go down the Harry Potter route and send an owl. Well, I think we should get on the Wembley headphones. By the end of the tournament, there may be a kiss. Edison invented the light bulb. And naturally, we had to get Mike Dean to a chicken shop. Be on the moon! (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to that Peter Crouch podcast with me, Peter Crouch. It's the World Cup edition. I've got Statman Dave and Chris Stark. All right, boys? Good, 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 good. How are you, Statman Dave? Well, to be honest, lads, I think I've been hung over for about two days. Ooh. On Sunday, I didn't get out of bed until about six o'clock. And then I think I got back into bed at nine o'clock. Not a good day. Yeah, it wasn't a great day, was it? Chris, what were you up to? Well, I was working over the weekend. So I watched the England game backstage at the, the Jingle Bell Ball, which is um, this event I was working at. Uh, so it was kind of an odd one because it was on in the dressing rooms and... It was mad. There was, you know, a lot of the guys that were performing obviously wanted to see the game. So kind of an odd atmosphere. Where did you watch it? I was at a house party. Good friend of mine. Well, friend of the pod, I'd say. Steve Sidwell. It was his birthday. Oh, amazing. Uh, and uh, it was great, you know, because it was, it, was it was a good crack. And we had a, you know, good few drinks after. And obviously the game was horrendous. You know, like I say horrendous. We, I thought we played well, but... Um, Obviously, the result was awful. Um, but you know, when you're at something like that, you just crank the music up and <laughs> and you just you have a few more drinks and try and forget, don't you? Listen, you know, we were all, it killed the mood a bit, but you know, you've got to get on with it, haven't you? We're going to get into this in quite a bit of detail because obviously the last podcast we did, um, this was before the England game. And even though a tiny bit of time has now passed, since the England game, I think it's good for us to kind of discuss. And what's amazing is on social media, we've had so many messages from people holding us to account. Dave, holding your stats to account and your um, penalty advice for Gareth Southgate as well, yeah. from running order to um, to type of penalty. It's interesting how it all played out over the weekend. But if you're new to this podcast, welcome along. We've been doing this throughout the World Cup. We do two episodes a week throughout the tournament and so many people are watching this tournament from home or in pubs it's cold outside so no one's really watching it outside the same way so we're doing the podcast in a, in a sort of similar way we're in our respective places and um yeah we just jump on have a couple of beers and and chat about the world cup and there's a lot to discuss boys isn't there it certainly is um dave i've, I've seen you've been getting a bit of, a bit of a grilling um I, 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 you know i'm gonna i'm gonna grill you as well it, it, it's, it's needed, I think. What I want to, you know, at some point we've got to talk about the housery from the Argentinians and, and the Dutch. I thought that was a great game of, you know, really getting under under the skin of your opponent, Crouchy. I really enjoyed that. I mean, where should we start? I mean, should we should we go straight in and say what you said, Dave, was full missionary, and did Harry Kane go too hard? 
I think the big concern with the missionary shout is you can't just fly in. You know, sometimes you have to be a bit slow when you, you, you're committing to the missionary. And I felt it was a little bit too hard. Although I have gone back and I've looked at the numbers and the numbers are still telling me missionary is the way to go. Okay, by missionary, again, if you're new to this podcast, <laughs> I feel like this needs explaining. So we were talking about how some great players have been taking penalties throughout the tournament. Um, Lewandowski, for example, and they're overthinking it. It's almost... They're, they're too worried about how it looks. They're going too stylish. It's not effective. They're poor penalties. And really what you want to do is just see a football player absolutely spank it. Obviously, during the England game, uh, with Harry with the two penalties, it was an interesting scenario that that there were two penalties during the game. So obviously the first one, he's gone full missionary, Dave. What a pen, though, let's be honest. That first pen, incredible. Like, And you just think, that's our man. That's our... You know, you'd put your house on him, wouldn't you? The second one mentally becomes more difficult. I think it's difficult anyway, considering Hugo Lloris is the captain at Tottenham. Mm. And uh, he must train every, you know, he must watch Harry Kane practice every single day of his life. So in all honesty, it is a bit of a head fuck. But in terms of taking that first penalty missionary, is the argument here that if you are the kind of man that can go again and have a second penalty... Um, you know, which not all of us could do. Mm. Should you switch your style up? Is the idea that if you have the kind of cojones to go twice, that going missionary both times is a bit arrogant? (laughs) (laughs) Harry Kane, in fact, had um, this situation where he's had to decide whether to go missionary, missionary, or missionary reverse cowgirl, reverse cowgirl, missionary, six times during his career uh, so far. (laughs) The worst thing is that makes sense. It shouldn't. It really shouldn't, but it really does. And only 50% of those six times, so three out of the six times, he scored both penalties. Right. And is it always missionary that he's hit them with, Dave? It is is a combination. Although missionary was probably the right strategy for Kane to go with, if he'd hit the target, it goes in. You know, Loris, I think it's something like 20 penalties over the last three seasons, and he's only saved... Zero, or he saved zero of them. So it was the right penalty. It was just the the execution was a little bit off. Crouch, have you ever seen it when you've been been playing where there's been one penalty and then the, you've changed up for the second penalty? I've also you also see that one, you know, where you have it retaken, you know, like and you've go, yeah. you know, for, you, you know, do you stick to the original penalty or do you change it? It's a definite. It's it's something that you know that you goes into the deep sort of mental psyche of a footballer. Mm. I think um, it's a hard it's a hard one to to work with. And I, and I know, oh, listen, I, mi- I remember missing a penalty against Jamie Ashdown um, for Liverpool, and he used to watch me take penalties in training. And I thought, you know, do I change that? Is he going to be in in my head? I was thinking, he knows my favourite penalty, but do I stick to that because he 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 thinks I'm going to change it? Because because he knows it, or do I stick? You know, it's like it's a game of stick or twist. It's a, such a difficult skill, but I still back Harry Kane. And I've heard from certain quarters, um, you know, the, there's big moments that he's been he's he's been missing for. I don't I don't agree with that at all. I can't I can't take that on board. You know, a player with his, you know, I, I genuinely believe still now that he's still got. I would still back him. You know, as my penalty taker, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that off him, um, just because of that one moment. 
So with the penalties, do how did it work, Crouchy? Did the manager ever take that responsibility off you and just almost say, right, you are going to hit that penalty this particular way? Uh, and then if you have to retake it, you're going to do the same again. Is there something to be said for the manager taking that responsibility off you? I and mean, we don't actually know that that isn't the case here, that there wasn't a plan. Dave, you must, I, don't, I don't know, you might have the answer to this, but there was a team that's done that. There was a manager who's done that. Um, we had the email in, didn't we? It said it's, there's a particular so team who've done that. So you go right, Peter Crouch, first penalty, you go top left. And if you miss, it's on me. I think it was Sean Dyche, wasn't it? You, you also had Avram Grant doing it in the 2008 Champions League final against Manchester United as Chelsea manager. He got this Israeli like data scientist in and basically predicted where Edwin van der Sar was going to go on each of his penalty saves. If Nicholas Anelka had gone with what this Israeli had told him, they would have won the shootout. No, is that true? Yeah. I didn't know that, Dave. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they, I think there's a lot in it, but the... You know, the the idea of a penalty is it, it technically should be random. With each taker, it should be random. That would be like the optimum strategy. But making people random is basically impossible. What about the ultimate the ultimate shithousery? If someone leaked that document, you know, like you're going to go here to the goalkeeper, that would be top shithousery, wouldn't it? But, but that would be something that England could have done. Because we, we spoke about last time, like bringing a goalkeeper on at the end just to mess with the the opposition's head but imagine like you're saying Crouchy you accidentally leave it's like espionage it's like Bielsa Spygate type vibe where you just leave your penalty sheet on the table are they going to back that? Yeah but like you know look we didn't make the shootout did we we didn't get to the shootout it was it was all on Harry Kane's shoulders and I and I do I do really I do feel for him you know because I've been in that um that England dressing room at World Cups uh, where you've you've been disappointed. You know, when Wayne Rooney got sent off, you know, when it's like, it feels like it's one man, um, you know, f- for everyone else, obviously, you know, we, we lost as a team, but for that player, like Rooney, obviously in that situation when he got sent off in 2006 um, and then 2010, we obviously collectively, like it's such a horrible place being at a World mm. Cup and uh, having lost or been disappointed. Are we viewing it wrong? Are we viewing it... As a Harry Kane miss, that's how it's always been talked about. But And the stats won't back this up. But given what you've just said there, Dave, about Lloris having such a horrendous penalty record, can you not chalk this one down as, as a Lloris save in the sense that if he has somehow managed to put Harry Kane off there in any sort of small way, given him the eyes, done something that they only know about in training, somehow whispered him a message, anything that's kind of put him off in that situation... Is it unfair that the goalie doesn't get the credit for doing so? Yeah, I'd say so. I think we spoke about that with Ramsdale, didn't we? In terms of you know how he's kind of had a bit of a go at Bruno Fernandes, at Patrick Bamford and got into their heads. The other side to that, though, you know, England had a lot of the ball. They didn't really create massive moments in the game. Crouches, they, they deserve to go through with that sort of sense. You know, they, they dominated, but something missing. Yeah, I thought we played really, really well. Um, you know, we created things. I thought we were dominant in possession, like you say. Um, but it's just that, it's that constant thing, isn't it? Of, uh, you know, but we're out and we played a big side. Um, you know, we, in the group matches, we had games that we should have won. And the one game that you thought, right, this will really test us, we went out again. Um, so the critics are out there and they, they'll be out there for, for good reason. But it's just so frustrating that we... We were so close and we were the better side. 
I mean, this must be one of the most liberating things for you, having finished the game crouches. You can say what you want about referees. And uh, we've been very supportive on this podcast a lot of the time. But let come on. He mm. was such a prick. <laughs> there's one there's one particular kit clip where I think it's Jude Bellingham gets like there's like three fouls on him. Yeah. And then they don't give it, he plays on. And then I can't, I can't remember a France player, but it was it was embarrassing. I think it was Jordan Henderson, maybe Foden were around him, and it was it was nothing. And it was just encapsulated the whole sort of performance by him. He wasn't even going to give the pen, was he? The one well, on the one no, on Mount. No. And and this is this is the problem. That first penalty that wasn't given, all right. You've got to respect the referee. I have just called him a prick, but you do have to respect the referee. <laughs> and you and like what I don't understand about that situation and this tournament is you cannot see the workings out with how they're going about this in VAR. Yeah, there, there was so many incidents in 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 the match that um, you know warranted like VAR coming. Like, even the, the penalty was so obviously a penalty. Like why, you know, the fact that he didn't give it um, was was fucking ridiculous. Uh, th- yeah, there was a lot of factors. Um, you know, so why that that is not why you know Jude Bellingham I thought spoke really well after the game. That is not why we went out, but. It's a contributing factor um, that he was a bit fucking shite. We've had a message from a listener called Yanis, and he has a question about Harry Kane, but I think it's an interesting one. Give it a listen. Hey, Chris. My name is Yanis. I'm football commentator from Latvia, doing Premier League, La Liga, and uh, Nationals as well. Huge fan. I've been listening since this season one. I think this is the number one football pod in the world, but I think... It's because of the humor, or because of the jokes, because of the community. But I want to ask one question. You do jokes and humor a lot, uh, but where's the line where it's jokes and where's the line that's maybe too critical? We have seen jokes about Ramos penalties that go over the moon and so on and so on. And right now, maybe Harry Kane missed his penalty and some of the stuff the people are memes and doing are... Uh, maybe too much where's the line where you're joking where's the line you're being too critical and not not so great so keep the good work pass the pod love it yeah this is something like i feel you know i do feel quite strongly on this like there are like sometimes you see uh footballers or people that put themselves out there it doesn't have to be footballers um shot at in such a way that it becomes um you know, horrific. And, and, and yeah, Harry Kane's England captain, right? And he takes penalties. So he's put himself out there. But, you know, this, it's the families that, you know, I've been in these situations, you know, where it's just like, it goes beyond sort of abuse um, and, and, and critiquing. Uh, and obviously, you know, Harry Maguire was, was case in point, wasn't he? You know, it's the, 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 the amount of abuse that he got leading up into this World Cup before, um, before the, you know, his fantastic performances in the World Cup, I thought, um, was 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 beyond what it should be, uh, and I think sometimes we see footballers as not as not as people. You know what I mean? We see them as uh, as figures of fun, I suppose, and you know we celebrate them. And, and I suppose because they're well paid, it's like, well, you get X amount a week, and it always refers back to what they get paid. And it's like, well, no, actually, they are still a human being. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course they're well paid, and I suppose there's an element of it. Um, I'd shut up. You get this amount, this this much. Um, I'd take that for that, um, which I'm sure lots of people would, of course. But it 
there's still human beings, and I think sometimes it can go, it goes beyond. Um, but like I say, and obviously that question from Yannick was a good question, but I don't think we've ever, we've ever gone that like that on this podcast. Like we have got humor, we do have a laugh on this pod, but there's no one that we've, you know, we would we would cane apart from Carl. Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> So lads, let's move on to a message from Ollie. He asks, where does Harry Kane rank in terms of England's greatest strikers? I only asked because when I was watching at the pub, uh, England versus Wales, someone tried to convince me that he shouldn't have even been in the squad, let alone in the starting lineup. Well, uh, just absolutely ridiculous, uh, to be quite honest. Um, Harry Kane is uh, on his way to be becoming Tottenham's record goal scorer, um, England's record goal scorer. Uh, you know, he's still fit. Um, you know, he's a finisher. He, 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 even when he doesn't score, he creates so much. Uh, and I think you'd, you'd, you'd find how much you'd miss him if he, um, if he didn't play. Uh, but to not even be in the squad is just absolute <laughs> nonsense. I, I, you know, I'm not sure where this fella's even, you know, obviously this is Ollie, but the fella in the pub's obviously pissed. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good question from Matt, speaking of pubs, says, what's worse? Being in the England camp after being knocked out of a major tournament or being down the pub with your mates after being knocked out of a major tournament? No one's managed to do it since 66. And to be that group of players is so big. And the chance they had, there's, you know, there's no worse place to be. You don't, you'd, you'd rather be anywhere than, than that <laughs> squad. Crouchy, just on that though, when you're in the dressing room, I'm thinking after England lost to Portugal, um, so Rooney got sent off. What were people saying? How how is that? Like you you walk in, is it silent? Do you just wait for the manager to talk? Do, do you kind of go in there and and you're all kind of angry with each other? Can you just explain what it was like in that exact moment? No, it was it was very quiet, uh, somber. Um, you know, not many people talking. Uh, and I think yeah, the the sort of manager broke the ice and. Um, you know, explains. You know, we'd had, we'd done this, we'd done that, and at the end of the day, so it's, it's penalties. You know, we 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 were playing with ten men. Um, you know, no one no one dug out Wayne Rooney. Knows what he, he knows what he's done. Obviously, reacted and he got played a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's obviously highly disappointing for for all of us as players. Um, but he doesn't need to be told. You know, he knows what he. He knows what he did, um, but it wasn't solely down to that reason. You know, we still took them um, to extra time. We still took them to penalties. Could you hear the Portugal team in the other dressing room? Yeah, I mean, I remember getting on the bus and seeing, um, you know, Ronaldo go around the back and I'm not sure how much Wayne wanted to speak to him at that time. <laughs> well, I was here with teammates as well, you know, it was, that was so awkward and... Um, did you did you clock him? Did you clock Wayne looking at him then? Well, he got we, we he was on the bus and when when Cristiano came out, it was obviously it was behind. It was after, you know, Wayne was on the bus and um, you know, I can't. I'm not certain if uh, you know, if he wanted to go out and perhaps have a s- small chat with him, but I think that was you know, he was advised against that. You just needed to eggy boff him quickly, didn't you? <laughs> Keep him on the bus. Keep him him on an even keel. (laughs) So obviously a lot was made of the wink, Crouchy. Did Wayne know about the wink on the bus? Yeah, because, you know, that's probably probably afterwards. I don't think I knew about the wink until until after. 
it's a hard one for someone to say to you on a bus in a way that makes it sound as bad as it looked. As in, if someone comes up to Wayne and goes, do you know he winked at you? Yeah, but that's the same thing as like, that's the same thing as like, you know, say your missus, you're in a nightclub, whatever, your missus is chatting to someone, just go, see that over there. It's one of those, isn't it? <laughs> see that good looking fella over there. Yeah. <laughs> Bernardo just winked at my wife. <laughs> it's not good, is it? You know what I mean? It's like, you're winding someone up. You know, in that situation, um, you know, Wayne would be the last person that you'd want to, you know, wind up. Well, uh, in that it, situation. mate, the only way it could have been any worse is was, was abs in the crowd that night was Ronaldo actually winking at her. So whereas everyone thinks it was a slight on Wayne, he actually was a double whammy. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. I mean that, you know, that is a, that's something that I've not, I've not looked at, but um, you know, what are the stats on that, Dave? <laughs> We're going to have to get the, the map of the ground out. We're going to have to work out the angles of his uh, of Ronaldo's look into the crowd. But Crouch, don't worry, we can do that. Thanks, mate. It's technology available for that. <laughs> the big thing with that, though, like moving on to like the season after, Rooney and Ronaldo scored 31 goals between them and United won the league. How do you get over that, Crouchy? Like, How do you get over your teammate doing that? Now you've seen the wink. You're back in the, the dressing room. Do you just have to kind of like draw a line time's a healer Dave you know what I mean if those two met on that night I, I don't think that wouldn't have ended well and they might not have played <laughs> together they certainly wouldn't have got that many goals together in the next season I think you know over the course of the summer um, you've got had a holiday with your family you've know, taken stock that's why it's so difficult to do these interviews sometimes after games uh, managers as well you see them you know just to get the adrenaline still pumping um, when they go back to the respective clubs, and um, you know, I'm sure Sir Alex Ferguson would have been would have been brilliant with them as well. Um, but yeah, I think you've got you've got something bigger than you know than that. You know you, that, that what's happened's happened. You know, if if Wayne Rooney had done it the other way round, you know, he would have been celebrated. I think uh, it's the same. You know, when you're playing for your nation, you're trying everything to to, to beat. You know, regardless if it's your if it's your teammate, and um, you know they've had to put that behind them, uh, but to put the, put it behind them in the manner they did and play as well as they did, I remember that season and they were unbelievable together. Just the last one on this, Crouchy. Do you think instead of doing the um, you know post game interviews at pitch side, they should wait for the lads to get back to the pub, have a pint, and then get the interviews flowing? The thought of the presenter filling for two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> before we get the interviews um you know may, maybe maybe a slight slight pain in the ass and also you know i've got stuff to do i'm a pundit now <laughs> you don't be there can we briefly discuss some of the housery that was going on in the holland argentina game the celebrations the eyes the firing of balls into the bench it was all on wasn't it Elite level housery, I thought, uh, shit housery of, of, of the finest. But I have to say the Dutch were involved in that as well. I thought that for Holland, you know, getting involved with, with the players in the penalties. Um, I thought the foul, like awful foul and then blast into the, into the, uh, <laughs> dugout was one of my, that's, that, that was one of my favorite moments uh, of this, of this entire World Cup, really. It's great. We should do an awards at the end of this World Cup just for various moments and things that have happened. This is my favourite thing about major tournaments. It's the stuff that you can't predict before, whether it's the German manager scratch and sniff, um, you know, balls getting fired into the dugout. Someone suggested this on Twitter, and I think it's a great idea. This was Nova, uh, Nova K84 on Twitter. No, not a real name. Um, but message us is, um, 
do think they should do a golden water bottle for most parched. And I think that's great. If we are going <laughs> to, we are going to sort of wrap up the tournament in one of these episodes and talk about some of these moments and hand out the awards, the golden, uh, the golden water bottle would be great for most parched, wouldn't it? I think it'd be fantastic. I mean, Japan are pretty parched, weren't yeah. they? You know, as a nation, really. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they were. But I, I, do you know what? That Holland game was mad, wasn't it? And and you know that free kick at the end. Can we briefly discuss that? the The idea that you don't you don't shoot at such a crucial part of the game, but go for the pre prepared. It's amazing. Can we also discuss Dave? Like the. Um... The big men up top for Holland, right? They've got, so they invented total, total football. <laughs> Johan Cruyff, you know, Rude Hullet was it sexy football. You know, they're all talking about sexy football and total football. They went, fuck it. Get the big men up top and Pulis bowled it. They, they launched it and it caused absolute <laughs> carnage. And then obviously they've gone double shithousery and gone total football for the uh for the for the same for, for the free kick little quick free yeah. kick great stuff great to see i think in 2022 in a world cup you know the big dogs are on <laughs> luke de Jong, um you know veg horse <laughs> van dyke was up there you know ah oh, it was just great to see I think we've got to give a lot of credit to Louis van Gaal. He's been, he's been great value during the tournament. And I think that was a, a tactical masterclass. You know, the Argentinians have been playing nice football all game, playing a back three, but they didn't, they weren't ready for that, were they, Crouchy? They weren't, mate. And it almost worked. It really did almost work. So it just proves to me that, you know, there's all this, I listen, and I love playing football the right way. We're all technical. We all like playing out from the back. But every now and then, you know, Alex Ferguson used to do it mm. regularly, you know, like you know, at the end of games, the last sort of 10 minutes, just switch it up, put constant pressure on them. And uh, and as you can see in a World Cup match, it's uh, it very nearly worked for them. What a guy, actually. You're so right. He's someone that had kind of fallen off my radar to a certain extent. What a great character. <laughs> we need him at Crouchfest, man. Let's get him to Crouchfest. Next one. It's got to yeah. happen. He'd be good. I think his chat would be good as well. Did you hear his chat about Memphis Depay saying that, uh, you know, he, he, he left him at, um, out of, of Manchester United and uh, he, he, now he kisses him on the lips. I that was... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a great quote. That's the stuff you want to see. stuff you want to hear, isn't it? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Lads, what about this? We've got a message from Kieran. Have you boys seen Neuer broke his leg skiing? Germany and Bayern Munich captain Manuel Neuer's season is over after the goalkeeper broke his leg on the slopes. His side failed to get out the group stage of the World Cup in Qatar and he was trying to clear his head on the trip. The end of the year could have gone definitely better. It hurts to know that the current season is over for me. Crouchy, have you ever heard of anything like this? Skiing? Mid-season? This is a very strange one, this. I mean, listen, there's... I think... Players who've grown up with it, you know, as kids and stuff, like, 
I suppose it's quite common for them, but for me, that the, the idea of skiing would have been absolutely ridiculous. Like, you know, we weren't insured. Um, you know, there was obvi- obvious concerns. Like, it's something that didn't interest me, but I didn't grow up with skiing. I imagine Manuel, Manuel Neuer's like did. So he's probably a confident, confident skier. Um, but the, yeah, the thought of him going and breaking his leg is, is, is ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be a huge loss for, for Bayern as well. Because we looked into your contract, didn't we, on an earlier episode? And you ha- didn't you have a clause where you couldn't do that? God, if he's broken, if he's broken his contract on that, it, it, that's going to cost him, isn't it? I mean, a football club would be fuming. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how that would work. I mean, you know, his insurers obviously, you know, wouldn't pay out if it was career ending or, or anything like that. But, I mean, the club, I imagine, will we'll have to cover his, his wages, you know. Um, but they'll probably fine him two weeks' wages. I, I mean, surely. Because yeah. it, it was, it's ridiculous, really, to be skiing, isn't it? And, and, and uh, you know, when you've got, you know, you're playing for Bayern Munich. <laughs> Going into the knockout stage of the Champions League. Absolutely mad. Apparently, Neuer's contract did not contain a so-called ski clause, so there was no explicit banning on skiing. Okay, so there's a technicality around it. So I just thought this was a standard thing in a contract. Surely it's in every club's interest to ban skiing. Well, you know, I think you'd imagine it in all the small print. But I was thinking, you know, Germany's performance was that bad, you know, where can you go on holiday where no one, you know, you're wearing a full on mm. literal, literal ski mask. You're wearing a mask <laughs> on holiday. Um, no one's coming up to you. No one gives a shit, you know, and then you can just creep back to your lodge at night. Mm. It's not a bad shout. <laughs> it's not, is it? <laughs> Maybe you should have gone for the cron- cross country skiing instead of the, uh, the downhill crouch. It might've been a bit safer. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Or just go backpacking through the jungle or something. <laughs> I should get bit by a spider or something. That can't be good. <laughs> that's something. That's something Rob Green would do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd come back. He'd be bit by a spider in the, in the, the Amazon or something down <laughs> down the Nile. That's a huge point, actually, Dave. Like he's a keeper as well, isn't he. Mm, yeah, you know that. I mean, they're just different breed, aren't they? I reckon Ramsdale does that in his off season. We should probably chat to him about that, Chris. He probably goes swimming down, swimming the the, the Amazon with Rob Green. <laughs> swimming the Amazon with Rob Green. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a show, there's a show there. Hundred percent. Wasn't there a travel show with? Is it is it Robson Green who, yeah, who sings yeah. that song? That. Unchained Melody, was that him or... What, yeah, what like, are they called? Something and Robson, was it? Robson... Robson Jerome. Yeah, that's it, Robson what Jerome. What song do they it? sing? Dave, can you Google it quickly? It's going Robson to Jerome. Otherwise. Yeah, that was... What was their song? The cover was a cover, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Unchained Melody? Dave, can you play a bit of it, please? Do you have the ability? Or? You can do anything in that man cave. Look at him. Yeah, Can do so much. I know you <laughs> still mad. I need your love. We gotta get Rob Green performing this at the next Crouch Fest. Has to happen. Rob Rob, Rob Green, Green Rob doing a travel Green. show like Robson Jerome um, oh. up the Amazon with Rob Green. <laughs> 
<laughs> Taken up the Amazon by Rob Green. Wow. <laughs> what a show (laughs) of course we'll have some of our good travel show ideas on the next podcast but we're also going to be taking a look at both of the semi-finals which are going to be excellent football games argentina croatia and morocco versus france crouchy which one are you looking forward to the most (laughs) well there's something about morocco france um you know and also croatia like i I've got a soft spot for Croatia. I think they're a great side. They've proved it over the, you know, the course of you know the last few years. You know, like semi-finals, final. What you know, it's it, it's good, and they're great lads. Like I'm just thinking of the players I played with: Robert Prozanecki, uh, Luka Modric, Nico Kranchar, Chorluka. They're all some of my you know favorite people um, and players. So I've got a soft spot for them, I have to say. Um, but I just think Morocco are could could cause an upset and um you know the the messy situation you know we'd all like to see him you know i think i think we all confirmed you know that he is he is the better yeah. player out of him and ronaldo i think that's confirmed now and then um <laughs> you know there, there's lots of subplots that, that that i'm interested in yeah great well we'll get stuck into all of that on the next podcast which won't be far away uh lads that was a lot of fun today good one thanks for all your messages as well everyone if you want to send us a message just uh send us an email peter.crouch at acast.com or just slide into the dms i get so many dms about this podcast we do try and get as many of your questions on as as we can so keep them coming enjoy the football chumble wumba everyone i'm just going to send an email now for uh up up the Amazon with uh, Rob Green. <laughs> Rob Green takes you up the Amazon. <laughs> so, uh, just some show ideas there. Rob Green takes you up the Amazon. Uh, Chumbawamba. <laughs> Chumbawamba. <laughs> This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This episode is brought to you by a load of pricks.net. We are the experts in selling houses. Chris couldn't sell his house. What did you do, Chris? I couldn't sell my house for love nor money, Crouchy. Three different offers I had, all at the last minute, fell through. I turned around to my wife and said, what can we do to sell this house? Every estate agent is failing us. Then I told her, let's go to a load of pricks.net. But Chris, what did a load of pricks do for you? They were brilliant, Crouchy. They sold my house right away. The sign had barely gone up when a well-dressed gentleman came along and offered me twice the asking price. Chris, would you use a load of pricks again? I'd use them every time, Crouchy. Go to a load of pricks.net. They will sell your house like no other. Load of pricks, load of pricks.net.